we've been in a series the last couple of weeks, man. It's been a fun one. I think every series is fun because we get to learn in very practical ways. And this latest series that we're in is called Into the Future. And this series is about what the Lord is leading us into as we look toward the future as his church here at Church at the Bridge. But also, it's about our lives personally. How do we transition into the future? How do we take bold steps into the future? And we believe that 2024 really is a year of more. I know this sounds cliche, but the truth is that God is a God of more. Some of us have this idea that Jesus was this poor pauper. He was not. I mean, daddy paid child support in the form of <laughs> incense, uh, frankincense, myrrh, and gold, right? God is not El Chipo, right? And he's not El Chapo either, right? He's a good God, right? He's a loving God, and he has good plans for your life and mine. But you see, if we're going to step into the future, we have to first accept that God wants to do more in our lives. See, God wants to bring more growth into your life. God wants to mature you in greater ways. God wants you to experience his blessings in greater measure. He wants you to advance in greater ways into his specific purposes. He wants to increase you more, but he also wants to bring increase through you into other places. By the way, we're not taking another offering. Don't worry. Not, not saying it for that reason. But to step into these plans, into these purposes that God has for you and I, friends, we need direction. We need direction from the scriptures. We need direction from God himself. And so today I want to invite you to join me as we lean in and we talk to God and we listen to God. I know you're probably thinking, how, do, how are we going to do that if you're the one doing all the talking? Friends, I'm not that good. My job here today is not to give you any wisdom of my own. My job here today is to be a pointer. And today I want to simply point you to the truth in God's word. And as we point to the word of God, I want to invite you to consider the truth. I want to invite you to open your heart to God. How many of you got a little mobile device, right? If you haven't downloaded the church app, download it. You'll see our notes there for today. You'll see some fill-ins. You'll be able to take some notes. If you got a pen, a pad, whatever you need to do, take some notes. Because how many of you know truth is no good if all we do is just listen to it? We have to process it. We have to ingest it. Right? We have to go back to it. So take some notes today. And so today, before we get started, we're talking about stepping into the future. And if we're going to talk about stepping into the future, we have to wrestle with a question, a question that we all deal with but many of us don't face. We neglect it. We push it aside. And the question kind of sounds like this. What do you do when the winds of change and challenge threaten to blow and detour you from your God-given future? I mean, how do you respond to the challenges that arise to the truth that we see in the scriptures, to the word? What do we do when everything that God promises is good, but everything seems to be going bad? And I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad that we're bringing that question to the surface because I believe that God wants to speak to us. I believe that God wants to show us possible in the midst of impossible. And so today we're going to dig into the word of God and we're going to talk on the topic, let the winds blow. Now, you're giving me that look right now like this guy is crazy. I don't want no winds blowing in my life. Go ahead and tell three people, let the winds blow. Yeah, let the winds blow. And we're like, no, nah, I'm not signing up for that. But you'll see why we're going here in a second. I really do believe that God wants to say 
some things to us. One of the things that we've learned over the last 10 years at Church at the Bridge is that having a vision for the future does not guarantee that we're going to know the details in the present. We're not going to know the details. I know that's frustrating for some of us because we want the plan. I can relate to that. I can't tell you how many times I have literally prayed to God. I've said, God, God, just tell me all the details. Tell me how this is going to work. Tell me who's needed for this. Tell me how it's going to happen. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And in those moments when that's been my heart's desire, my prayer before the Lord, I can assure you that times like those were my feeble attempts to obtain insight from God so I could speed up God's process. (laughs) You ever try to help God with his plan? We've all done it. We do it all the time. God, help me. But let me tell you how we're, you're going to help me. Let me do this. We, we say a prayer, and then we dive into problems, and we create them. But you see, God actually wants to lead us into the great unknown. God's not going to give us all the details because we will mess it up. We will mess it up. And so in 1987, somebody say, way, way back. Some of you are too young to remember 1987, and I'm feeling old right now. But in 1987, a group of engineers, entrepreneurs, and scientists, they set out to build an artificial ecosystem in Oracle, Arizona. The name of this artificial ecosystem was Biosphere 2, and what they were trying to do was to create an environment where anything and everything could grow. It was an ideal artificial environment, and they were doing this. They were trying this out because they wanted to see if they could create something they could put out on another planet in space. And so Biosphere 2 encompassed 3.14 acres, making it the largest enclosed ecosystem ever created in its time. The climate-controlled environment was designed as this ideal ecosystem for plant life to thrive. It included purified water, clean water, uh, purified air, clean water, nutrient-rich soil, and natural light. But despite what seemed like ideal, perfect conditions, something odd kept happening. You see, the trees that were planted would all grow to a certain specific height. And then they would all suddenly fall. They would die. And after much head scratching and questions and wrestling with this, scientists realized that Biosphere 2 lacked a critical component for growth and optimal plant life. You want to take a guess at what it lacked? It lacked wind. Now, let me tell you how that relates to our topic today, where I feel the Lord is leading us. In their natural habitat, trees grow stronger bark and deeper roots as they are continuously buffeted by winds that blow every which way. How many of you want to grow? How many of you want to mature? How many of you want to walk in greater blessing? How many of you want to see greater things, right? You want to step into the future and experience all that God has for you. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't think I want to raise my hand for this. Go ahead and tell three people, let the winds blow. Yeah, you got to let the winds blow. 
what this teaches us is that if we're going to step into the future, if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, and if we're going to bear fruit, like Jesus promised, that our lives were created to be like uh, plants that produce fruit that lasts. Friends, we can't do it without winds of adversity. It's not going to happen. See, like these trees, we too will atrophy and we will fall short of our growth potential if we want to just simply exist in our bubbles, in our own biospheres, our own manufactured environments that are driven by our ideas, our thoughts, and our comforts. There was a time where Jesus was with his disciples and he was teaching masses. And he's teaching all these people about this kingdom, this kingdom of God that he was declaring that had come. What he was basically saying is God is near. God is here. God is with you. You don't have to go searching for God way out there. He's right here with you. And friends, that message is still true today. God has always been with you. God has always loved you. God has always had his best intentions for you. And God truly cares. The question is, have you been aware of it? See, when you're in biosphere too, that is a manufactured experience. And you got to step out your bubble to experience God. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that this morning. So Jesus is teaching all these people, and then all of a sudden he pivots. He goes, all right, guys, pack it up. Let's get in this boat. We're going to the other side. And the disciples say, all right, Jesus, let's go. They think they're going for a boat ride. They think they're going to take a cruise. Yeah, a carnival. No, not a carnival cruise. Car Don't do carnival. Carnival's overrated, no. You can give us some proceeds for me stating, you know, that carnivals, Royal Caribbean, if you're listening, we, we let me stop anyway. No. <laughs> Let's get back to the message. I was kidding, by the way. And so they get in this carnival cruise, right, this boat, and they're heading to the other side, and Jesus, my Jesus, your Jesus, God in the form of a man, Check out how, how cool Jesus is. Jesus pulls out a pillow. Before there was my pillow, there was Jesus' pillow. He pulls out a pillow, and he goes to sleep in the stern of this boat in the back. Meanwhile, the disciples, who many of them were experienced fishermen, are in this boat, and all of a sudden a storm rises up. It's quite a storm, and we know that because the Scripture tells us that the winds were so bad that the boat began to take in water. So the waves are thrashing back and forth against it. And the, the boat is taking on so much water that it's beginning to sink. And the disciples, they decide, they, they, they say, we have to do the most important thing right now that we can do. And so they go to Jesus and they wake him up from his nap. And they go, Jesus, don't you care that I'm about to die? The most important thing was me first. Me, me. Jesus, take care of me. God, do for me. God, help me. God, come through for me. God, just give me. Me, me, me. And the Bible says that Jesus wakes up. And he gets up and he steps out, leaves his pillow in the, in the stern. He comes out. And watch what the Bible tells us in the book of Mark, chapter 4, starting at verse 39. It says that he got up. 
And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves. Let's pause right there for a moment. Jesus answers the storm. The storm is communicating something. It's creating fear and despair and doubt and worry and anxiousness in the disciples. And Jesus gets up and he answers the storm and he says, quiet. Say this with me. Be still. He says, be still. And cool Jesus, our Jesus, because he said it, it says that then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, let's just acknowledge something that for some of us, we, we hear that in, in our own experience. We go, yeah, that's highly unlikely. I don't know about if that's true. And I, I'm with you except that we're talking about God in the form of a man. We're talking about God who makes things possible and is not limited by the guardrails that we create that are called impossible. We're talking about that Jesus. We're talking about that God. And so Jesus says, quiet, be still. And they calm down. Verse 40 says that he said to the disciples, hey, why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And then he takes it a step further. And he says, do you still have no faith? Now, we can't miss the power in this moment because Jesus is not simply asking a question. He's not like giving them pow-pow, right? No, Jesus is like, guys, wait a minute. You woke me up and you're afraid about something that you have the faith to deal with. That's what's happening here. He's saying, do you still not get it? Do you still not realize who I am, what I've entrusted you with, and what's possible if you would just step up and allow me to show out? In other words... Jesus' remarks indicates that they could operate in peace and they could calm the raging storm. And it also demonstrates that the storms that blow in life are not made up of the circumstances that blow upon us. In fact, the storms that blow in life are the ones that blow within us. It's the ones that we create. It's the things that we tell ourselves. It's the stories that we imagine and the outcomes that we envision and the fears that we let run wild. And what we see here is that this storm brought two responses that teach us something about our development. Number one, they teach us that the disciples responded in fear and they began to doubt Jesus. But Jesus' response tells us that God's not moved by the winds that blow in our life. Right? The second response that we see here is that Jesus responded the way that he expected the disciples to respond. We know that because he said to them, wait, you still don't have the faith to deal with this? And what that tells us is that you and I should not be moved by the winds and waves of life either. 
So what we have here is a storm with a problem in the manner of a response. So when Jesus said, quiet, be still, while he was facing the waves, the ones who needed to be quiet and be still were the disciples. Let me ask you a question in this moment. What might Jesus be telling you personally in your life right now? What is Jesus saying to you? Because I know he's saying some stuff to me. And so because of this, we need to glean some valuable lessons. Because, friend, God promises in his word that he has a good plan for your life. One that promises is filled with hope, and it's a good future that's ahead of you. The scripture gives us evidence that God has predetermined that you are created for good things. That there's something specific that you are anointed and appointed and chosen for. And many people go to the grave and bury it there because we never dare to take steps with God. We never dare to take steps into the future. And when we do, oftentimes we do it without a right revelation of how God works. Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you today. I want to just share with you just three, three simple points. Somebody say three, three, three. It's not many, just three, just three points. The first point I want to encourage you to, to consider, to write down, to snapshot, to do whatever you got to do, to go back to, go back to YouTube and dig into this, share it with somebody, process it with some people. The first point I want to leave you with is that when there is wind blowing, there is also a way opening. When the, when the winds are blowing, friends, there's a way that's opening. The problem is we, we don't perceive it oftentimes. See, the disciples preferred the illusion of safety in a boat that was sinking. You know what that, you know what that infers to us? That the place where we want to be safe in, that we want to remain in, the place of comfort, the, the, the place where it's all the same, it's always been this way, this is how we grew up, this is how it's always been done, we're just going to continue to do it that way. That place of safety is actually a sinking ship. You're drowning by way of ignorance. Not that you're ignorant, but you, you, don't, you don't know what's possible. You don't see what God wants to do. See, they wanted to play it safe the whole way. They wanted shelter from the storm the whole way. But in doing so, they lost sight of the promise that Jesus had made. He said, we're going to the other side. I'm taking you to the other side. You're meant for the other side. I know it's been good here, but there's something better in store on the other side. On the other hand, while they're panicking and, and perceiving that there's no possibility and there's no other way for them and they're going to die, Jesus slept on the boat and then he steps out into the storm and he faces it knowing that the obstacles aren't always the enemy. Here where I'm coming from with this. Sometimes obstacles are part of the way to get there. 
<laughs> you know, a mistake that we often make is we want to do everything in our power to avoid conflict. We want to diminish discomfort. We want to go around sacrifice. We want to minimize risk. And then we wonder why some of us only reach a certain level of growth, a certain level of strength, a certain level of experience with God. We get to the point where we know about God, but we don't know relationship with God. We don't know the power of God. We don't know what it is to walk with God. Christian is more than a title. Christian is a way. It puts Christ at the center. Somebody look at somebody and say, well, <laughs> well, we got to chew on that, right? We like really got to chew on that. See, friends, we can't continue. We cannot afford to continue to hide and live in our sheltered biospheres from the challenges that blow as we take steps of faith into the future because hiding doesn't help us. Let me tell you what hiding does. You ready for this? <laughs> you ready? Hiding doesn't help us. You know what hiding does? Hiding hurts us. Can I say this to you, friend? Just like butterflies, they percolate, they develop in a cocoon and have to break out of the cocoon to fly. You have to break out of the cocoon if you're ever going to realize what God has created you for. Now, I'm not suggesting, right, because the point that I'm making here is that when winds are blowing, there's an opening. And for some of us, we want to help God right now. We go, all right, I'm going to go manufacture some problems. <laughs> I'm going to go stir some stuff up. I'm going to create some drama. That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. But what I'm encouraging you to do, in fact, what I'm imploring you to do is that you and I prepare and learn to pivot because wherever God is working, the winds of resistance are blowing. Jesus put it this way. In this world, in this life, I imagine Jesus saying this with a smile. In this world, my son, my daughter, my friend, my child, my beloved, you're going to have trouble. Trouble's coming. I know some of you are like, I don't know that I want to follow Jesus, man. <laughs> Trouble's coming, but listen, where there's trouble, Jesus says, but rejoice. Because I've overcome. There's something that I'm doing. There's something that I've prepared. There's another way that you're not perceiving. I like the way a guy named Jimmy Dean put it. He says, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can't adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Yeah. One of the things that I love about the people in this church, I love people in all churches, but in this church, I'm just going to brag on some of you here, is that we don't stay away from the winds when they blow. I remember a time when we were sitting in the middle of a meeting that we were invited to, and I'm wondering, why are we here? What, what is this about? 
More people talking about more problems in Newburgh and the entire region. And I don't want to hear about problems. And so I'm sitting there, and they're going through this meeting. And, I, you know, I don't know many of these people at that time. And I'm just kind of listening, me and my wife. And they, the, the homeless liaison coordinator at that time for the city of for the uh, Newburgh and Large City School District is there. And he's giving a report, and he gives this report on 600-plus children that are in the district at that time that are legitimately homeless. And he, he kind of sh shares this information nonchalantly. You know, it's like it's, in a, it's an agenda item, and we're going to just report this. And then he begins to move on to the next item. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Can, 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 we, let, can we back up? Wait, let, let me. Did I just hear you say that there are over 600 children in this district that are legitimately homeless? And he goes, yes, sir. And he goes back to, and I'm, oh, I got a question. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt your meeting, but I do mean to interrupt it. Maybe interrupt your way of thinking, too. I said, what are their needs? And he opens up his binder, and he pulls out a spreadsheet, and he looks, he goes, oh, based on the data, what it indicates is that they all need coats, hats, and gloves. That time, we were probably running maybe about 50 people. We had one service. We were just getting started, and... It made absolutely no sense what, about, what was about to happen. Some of you were here for that. You'll remember. I said, let's get them coats, hats, and gloves. And everybody in the room gets excited. They're like, oh, man, we could do a coat drive and bring on our used coats and used hats and used gloves. And I said, let's get them new coats, new hats, new gloves. And all of a sudden, it was like a vacuum. Like all the air was gone in the room, and it went silent. And I said, guys, we can do this. Those kids matter. This is an opportunity in the midst of what looks like an obstacle. And so everybody's kind of afraid, and I, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Except that it doesn't matter what I said. It just mattered who is the God that we serve. So I put it out to our congregations, about 50 people, 40, 50 people at the time. And, and all of a sudden, this starts to catch like wildfire. And people in the community and businesses. And there was a guy who was an actor, one of the main actors in that show, Gotham, back in the days. And, and he lived in Marlboro at the time. And he hears and he calls the church. He goes, how can I help? He said, how do you want to help? He says, I'm sending a bunch of coats. He says, a bunch of boxes. And all these coats, hats, and gloves come in. And the day finally comes where we're distributing this. And the district and all these people are like, oh. Oh, my God, how is this possible, God? You got to remember something. When there is a specialty item, there's a problem that requires a specialist. You don't specialize where you don't have expertise. No, in fact, what we do is we go to the specialist who specializes in special people in doing special things. Now, lest you think I'm giving you my own ideas here, I want you to see what the Bible says about stepping out of biosphere too, how God works. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation, say no temptation. No temptation. Now, for some of us who are, you, you know, we kind of grew up in church circles, you hear this and you think, you interpret this according to the way you read it. This is talking about me being tempted, and the word temptation there in the original language is actually the word trial. It's trial. And so no trial has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. 
In other words, hey, I know it feels like you're the only one going through this, but yeah, there's other people that have been there, done that. This isn't the first time this has happened. Right? And so he goes on to say, and God is, say that with me, faithful. God is what? Faithful. Say that one more time. God is what? Faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted. He will not let you endure a trial beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when you are in a trial, watch what it says. He will also provide a what? Way out so that you can endure it. In other words, when there is a trial, there's really an open door. But for some of us, we miss the open doors that God divinely places for us, that he makes available to us because we're so focused on trouble that we miss triumph. See, problems, friend, are the pathway to the doors that God opens for new possibilities. Somebody say, thank God. Listen, thank God that there is always an open door to you. There's always an open door, always. The next point that I want to quickly cover is that winds that blow often lead us to discover who we are meant to become. Who we are meant to become. Trouble, trials are a problem to discover what you are actually made of. What God actually has placed within you. As an example, when the Lord led Israel out of Egypt, it was like a whirlwind for the people. What's going on? Why do we have to go? What if it doesn't work? Why do we have to go this way? What if God doesn't come through? In essence, they were increasing the power of their windstorms by exacerbating their, their, their difficulties. And what we're about to see is that they weren't ready. They weren't ready. Watch. Exodus 13, verse 17 says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. That was a shortcut. That was a shortcut. God did not lead them down the shortcut. Though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Stop right there. Leave that up for us, please. In the case of Israel, what we're seeing is that facing war and adversity was supposed to expose the might and power within them as God's people. But because they weren't ready. Because they still held to a slave mentality. Because they were still familiar and fond of their moments and their hardships in Egypt. Because of that. God had to take them the long route until they could mature in their understanding of who they were supposed to become. God let them out as free people, but they still believed that they were slaves. And so, God said, you're not ready to go down that short path. So I have to take you down this long road. Why? Because the bad company that has been corrupting your good character has to die off. The slave mindset that you, that you hold to has to die away. The limited vision that you have, that, 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 you have uh, uh, that, that has to be expanded through trial and experience in God's faithfulness, this all has to happen for you to mature.
See, going through trials is not just about going through a trial. It's about discovering who you are meant to become. Yeah. See, trials don't create trouble. Troubles are created as we resist the maturing process in the trials. <laughs> and so for this reason, Jesus, back to the disciples, turns and he rebukes them. He rebukes them sternly after calming the storm because they forgot who he was, but they also forgot who he said they were and what they could do. Romans 5, 3 through 5 puts it this way. We can say this with me. We can what? Rejoice. We can rejoice. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they help us to do what? Say it with me. Develop. Develop endurance. Trials are training for development. Trials are training for development that exposes the divine power of God that's already at work and resident waiting to be exercised within you. Verse 4 says, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Friend, you want to break out of disappointment? You want to break out of continued destruction? You want to break out of this, 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 this vicious cycle of feeling like, man, no matter how much I try, I always fail. No matter what I do, I can't make it. Let me tell you how to do that. Walk through the trials instead of trying to run around them. Because trials develop. You and I, so that we can triumph. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. <laughs> Let me just say this. Don't be in such a rush to get out of difficulty that you fail to get anything out of the difficulty. There's something for you to get out of difficulty. There's something to, to, to glean from it. The last point I want to leave you with here is that winds of difficulty are the catalysts that often lead us to make a greater difference. Let me say that again. Winds of difficulty, difficult times, are catalysts. They propel us. They lead us into the future in such a way that as we develop through them, they prepare us for this purpose of making a difference beyond ourselves. There's more than me first. There's more than our biospheres. When the disciples encountered this storm, they did not realize what was on the other end of that storm. If you read the Bible chronologically, what you'll find is that when they get to the other side, after they get through this storm, there's a man in a city, and this man was demonically possessed and oppressed. So strong was the impact of the enemy, the influence of the enemy in his life, 
that this man was hurting himself. They tried to chain him and they could not restrain him. And as a result, this entire city lived in fear. They were terrorized. They were seeking an answer. They wanted deliverance, but they saw no way how. And so they walked in eggshells around this guy. They walked on eggshells around the problems. They walked in eggshells, and they just kind of accepted, this is Newburgh. This is my hometown. This is just the way it is. This is how this country is. This is how things are. But they, what he did not know and what this city did not know was that on the other side, Jesus said, we're going there. Guys, we're going there. We're going where the problems are. We're going where the oppression is. We're going to that place where darkness seems to reign. We're going there. Jesus had intentions to go there and not simply deliver this man from demonic oppression and possession. His heart was also to deliver a city. deliver families to bring hope to a hopeless community to start a movement of God to bring freedom and change to their lives you know God's still in that business that's still the same God we serve but you see the disciples they didn't understand that. They thought they were just going on a cruise ride. They, they thought it was just supposed to be all smooth sailing. But most importantly, what they did not understand was what Jesus wanted to do in them. To prepare them to be the catalyst for change in that community. Now, according to the scripture, they dropped the ball. So Jesus took care of them. But they learned a valuable lesson along the way. One that we also must learn. That where there are storms, there's an opportunity for our faith to develop. There's an opportunity for us to test the anointing that the scripture says is already upon us. And there's also an opportunity to exercise the power of God that is entrusted to us. See, the problems we face as we continue to do what God has commissioned us to here at Church at the Bridge, but also in our own lives personally. Those problems are not for us. Hear where I'm coming from with this. Those problems are for somebody else. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that now you leave here and go, hey, let me just dump my problem on you. Because pastor said that my problem isn't for me, it's for you. I didn't say that. No, you see, the problems we face and overcome today and day by day will someday be what someone else needs to realize their potential. Because as you walk through problems, as you face challenges, as you grow and you develop and you mature in your faith, as you begin to trust God in greater measure, as your God story begins to develop and create space for you beyond the bottom of the barrel, 
where it lifts you up, as Jesus said, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, a light that shines. It's not for you to shine. It's so that others can see you made it, and this is how God did it in your life. And if God can do it in your life, then God promises to do it in my life. I can learn from your God story. I can walk in that God story. I can do some greater things because of that God story. Your problem is not for you, friend. Your problem is someone else's solution if you'll face it and walk in it. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.